Good morning. Our worship service is beginning. I invite those of you at home to light a candle during the prelude so that we all may share in the light of Christ during this time. Let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship. I am Jason Tillery. <clears throat> My Cherokee name that was given to me is Yona. My Osage name given to me is Watsin. Today is Native Ministries Sunday. And that is typically celebrated on the third Sunday after Easter. The Native American Ministry Sunday serves to remind United Methodists of the gifts and contributions made by Native Americans to our society. You're welcome. <laughs> the, the United Methodist Church, <laughs> the United Methodist Church dis distributes a portion of the offerings received on Native American Ministry Sunday for scholarships for Native Americans attending United Methodist Schools of Theology and schools of theology approved by the University Senate of the United Methodist Church. Also, it helps the expansion of the number of target cities and the Native American Urban Initiative. In Cherokee, we say wado, in English is thank you. On to other business here. Let's see. Um, we want to welcome those of you who are joining us in the sanctuary. We want to welcome those who have joined us through our Facebook live streaming. We are glad you are with us at this time of worship. It would be helpful if you would like our live stream or leave a comment so we know you are watching. Thank you, Jason. It is truly a joy to welcome you to St. Paul's and for Nicholas and Serenity. We just are so thankful that you've brought so many of your friends with you today to share in this special, special day. It's a rare Sunday when we get to celebrate both of the sacraments of the United Methodist Church, Holy Communion and the Sacrament of Baptism. As Jason said, today is Native American Sunday. Uh, the Oklahoma Conference is fortunate to be affiliated with the Oklahoma Indian Missionary Conference, which has 87 American churches in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas. And if I'm correct, two of them are in Tulsa. And so as Jason said, <clears throat> any of your designated <clears throat> donations to Native American ministries will go to help those ministries as well. On a related note, if you have not yet visited the first American museum in Oklahoma City, I encourage you to put that on your list of places to see soon. It is educational, it is powerful, and it is so inspirational. I have spent time this week researching the land on which this church is built, and I have learned a great deal. I still have some missing pieces to fill in. Terry Miller is helping me with that research. Uh, so I look forward, though, to sharing more with you as I learn more. St. Paul's United Methodist Church, however, acknowledges that the land on which we meet is was and will always be native land. This land was inhabited for thousands of years before the Europeans arrived on the southern plains in the 1500s, and most likely it was once inhabited by the Spiro peoples. We acknowledge the indigenous tribes to Oklahoma, the Wichitas, the Caddo's, the Plains Apaches, and the Quapaws as the original custodians of this place. We respect those who came here as a result of the Trail of Tears, 
the Choctaw, the Cherokee, the Creek, the Chickasaw, and the Seminole people. We grieve the violence that has been done to native language, culture, and personhood. As you all well know, one of St. Paul's core values is reconciliation, and we embrace the ongoing work of reconciliation among all of God's creation. May this awareness work towards reconciliation extend well beyond, my friends, one designated Sunday each year. Will you go with me to God in prayer? Oh, gracious and loving God, we do indeed give you thanks for this day. God, we give you thanks that you have called us together on this morning to, like every Sunday, celebrate the risen Christ. God, we know that we don't have to ask you to be present here, for indeed, wherever we are, you are always there just waiting for us to turn toward you. So instead, God, we ask that you clear our minds and open our hearts. Remove these distractions from us so that we may be present to you during this time and so that when we leave today, we leave transformed. Amen. St. Paul's United Methodist Church welcomes, affirms, and extends our love to all persons regardless of age, race, income, nationality, life experiences, abilities, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. All are welcome to our family. I would like to share a couple of prayers, because we're all about praying, and I like to pray. That's one of my favorite things to do. One is a Cherokee prayer, one is an Osage prayer. And I will tell you which is one, and one the next is really short, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know the authors of these, but they are good words. So we just carry those words in our hearts. The Cherokee prayer begins, O great spirit who made all races, look kindly upon the whole human family and take away the arrogance and hatred which separates us from our family. And the Osage prayer begins, we pray, great mystery, Help me to know what I ought to know, to love what I ought to love, to praise what delights you, to value what is precious to you, to disregard what is offensive to you. Thank you. Before I move into the pastoral prayers of the people, I will be reading a prayer called, O oh Great Spirit, that was translated by the Lakota Sioux Chief, Yellow Yark, yellow lark in 1887. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. I have made one modification. Instead of saying I, I've changed that pronoun to we. O great spirit, whose voice we hear in the winds and whose breath gives life to all the world, hear us. We need your strength and wisdom let us walk in beauty and make our eyes ever hold the red and purple sunset. Make our hands respect the things you have made and our ears sharp to hear your voice. Make us wise so that we may understand the things you have taught our people and let us learn the lessons that you have hidden in every leaf, rock, and stream. 
Help us remain calm and strong in the face of all that comes towards us. Help us find compassion without empathy overwhelming us. We seek strength, not to be greater than others, but to fight our greatest enemy, our own self. Make us always ready to come to you with clean hands and straight eyes so that when life fades as the fading sunset, our spirits can come to you without shame. And now, gracious God, with our hearts gathered together, we pause for a moment of silent prayer, lifting the joys and concerns that are on our hearts today. Lord, in your mercy, for this church, St. Paul's United Methodist Church that you have called into being, may we make you visible to all we encounter. May we be a beacon of your hope and may you work through us and in us to remove barriers of injustice and make us instruments of your peace. Lord, in your mercy. And for those no one lifts in prayer, may your love be reflected in the kindness of a stranger. Lord, in your mercy. We ask these things in the name of the risen Christ. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John. It's after the resurrection. Jesus has already appeared to his disciples twice. Uh, Emily shared that with you last week. They were still in Jerusalem. Remember, they had all come to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover, and well, we know how that turned out. Uh, Though they were locked in the upper room the evening of Jesus' resurrection, and Jesus came to them and said, peace be with you, and he breathed on them that breath of the Holy Spirit. But remember, Thomas wasn't there. So he came back a week later to the same place and he showed Thomas his wounds. And he said, blessed are those who have not seen and have yet come to believe. And what I appreciated about Emily's sermon last Sunday was she gave us permission to have doubts. She gave us permission to ask questions because it is that struggling, it's that wrestling with that causes us to grow. Then the gospel writer jumps ahead. We don't know how long it has been, but now seven of Jesus' disciples are on the shore of Lake Tiberias, which is also known as the Sea of Galilee. I'll be reading from John 21, 1 through 19. This is a reading from the gospel, so I invite you to either stand or rise in your seat for the reading. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we're going to go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. And just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. 
And Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. And Jesus said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there, was, there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, that's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. And when they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and he hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and he gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said it to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. And when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. After this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Will you go with me to God in prayer? Oh, gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. For indeed, you are our rock and our redeemer. God, at this time especially, I ask that you help me to step back. Fill me with your spirit so that it is your words, not mine, that is heard. Fill me with your spirit so that it is your word that comes back to us throughout the week. So that it is your word that makes us think, that makes us ponder. So that it is your word that leads us to transformation. God, we ask that you open our hearts. Give us the courage to respond. Amen. <clears throat> I love this scripture. It is one of my absolute favorites. But I know you hear me saying that quite often. 
But as I sit with the scripture over the week in preparation for a sermon, it kind of always grows on me. But this has been a favorite of mine for quite some time. It's a reminder of what Jesus calls us to do, feed my sheep. But let's back up for a minute and think about why. In the first chapter of John, we are told, the word became flesh and lived among us. And a bit later, we are told, for God so loved the world that God sent God's son. You see, my friends, God found a way to make God's love visible for us. God's love was no longer something abstract, but now God showed us what love looks like through Jesus, and God showed us what love does. And then we hear, and we have seen his glory, full of grace and truth, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Friends, that is an abundance that we can't even comprehend. And that's what God's love looks like and feels like. And we see it over and over again in the stories of Jesus' life and his ministries. But it didn't stop with his death. No, friends, the resurrected Christ continued to show grace upon grace and continued to show love, abundant love, in a way that the disciples could comprehend and in ways that we can see and experience today. Now, we don't know what happened between the time that Jesus appeared to the disciples in the locked room. Remember, he appeared there twice. And he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I now send you. So I send you. But where did they go? And what did they do? We don't know. But in today's scripture, they've gone back to doing what they were doing before Jesus called them to be his disciples. Maybe they got discouraged. Maybe they went back to the familiar. Or maybe they were just regrouping, taking a break and making a plan. We don't know. But the writer of the gospel tells us and the writer of the Gospel of John tells us that seven of them were sitting around when Peter said, I'm going to go get naked and go fishing. I always have to laugh at the detail that John tells us. Peter was naked. And the others say, well, Peter, we're going to go with you, but we're going to leave our clothes on. <laughs> so off they go, but they don't catch a thing. Yet a voice calls to them from the shore. Cast out your net on the right side. And they did. And they caught so much that they couldn't haul it into the boat. And our scripture is very specific. They caught 153. Now for years, scholars have tried to debate the meaning of 153. But Caroline Lewis, who is undoubtedly one of the leading contemporary scholars of the Gospel of John, says... It simply means a lot of fish. She said, if John had said many fish, some people would have thought 20. Others may have thought 40. Some may have thought even 100. But she says no one would have thought of 153. It's a ridiculously abundant number of fish to be caught in one outing. She says 153 leaves no doubt to the imagination they hauled in 
an unimaginable catch. 153 fish, God's abundance made, a visible, made visible to fishermen. God's love made visible in an undeniable way. God's love made visible when they were tired and hungry and discouraged. God's abundant love showed up in a net full of fish. And not only did their net become full, but Jesus took the fish and he cooked it and he feeds them breakfast. That abundant catch became their nourishment. And then it leads to a conversation with Peter. Peter, the one who on the night of Jesus' trial denied being a disciple of Jesus, not once, but three times. And I can only imagine what was going through Peter's head when Jesus said, Peter, come sit down. Let's have a chat. It's a beautiful and poignant and oh-so-tender conversation. Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. And then a third time, Peter, Peter, do you love me? And this time, Peter's feeling a bit hurt. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, feed my sheep. Peter, make your love for me visible. Peter, make your love for me tangible. Peter, make your love for me real. Take care of my sheep. Feed them and tend to them. I'm not going to be here to do it, but your love for me will be seen in how you care for others. Peter, don't just say you love me. Show me. Make it visible to others through your actions. And friends, that's what Jesus is asking us. And people of, Jesus is asking people of St. Paul's, do you love me? And we respond, yes, Lord, we do. And Jesus says, feed my sheep, nourish them, care for them, support them, encourage them, make my love visible to all. Because dear St. Paul's, all, all you encounter are my sheep. Don't just feed the ones you like, or the ones that agree with you, or the ones that believe like you do. No, St. Paul's, take care of all of my sheep. And friends, that's what we are called to do. Not just to profess our love for Jesus, to put it on a bumper sticker, but to make our love for Jesus visible by feeding God's sheep. Now, many of you know that for many, many years, one of the foundations of St. Paul's was our manna meals ministry, in which we fed up to 150 people a hot meal every Friday afternoon. But because of COVID, we had to suspend that for safety reasons. But friends, it's time to start revisioning what that might look like when we start up again. Like many things, it will have a different look, but it will serve the same purpose, to make God's love visible by literally feeding God's sheep. 
I look forward to some of us gathering together to talk about what that might look like and how we can make it happen. And for those of you that want to help us brainstorm, brainstorm and discern and to think about what it could be like, watch for an email from me later this week because I think with our brains together and our hearts and listening to God, we can think of creative ways to make manna meals happen again. But friends, we don't have to have a kitchen to feed God's sheep. The money that you all put on the rail for communion each month helps us to always have food and bottled water and nourishment drinks on hand when people come by to the church. It allows us to help with gas or electric bills. Yesterday I happened to be here in the late afternoon doing my Saturday chores and I looked outside and there was a man sitting on our steps and he had a little dog and I thought I gotta go get him some food so I go down and I get this sack of food for him and I get some water in a bowl for his dog by the time I did all that and got out he was walking down the street and I went, sir sir he just kept walking three other sirs turned and looked at me I went, no no him and I said sir with the puppy and he turned around and his first look was uh-oh, I've done something wrong. That was his initial reaction. And I said, I'm the pastor. I saw you sitting here. I said, would you like some food? And his eyes just lit up. And I said, I've got some bottled water, and here's a bowl for your dog and for water. And I said, usually we have dog food, but we don't now, so here's some money. Will you go buy your puppy some food? And he just looked at me with this look like, really, lady? People, that's how you support. I didn't do that. I just took what you all had made possible. And then sure enough, as I was getting ready to leave, there was a woman sitting on this porch. And I went and got her some stuff. And she just looked at me like, really? Really? St. Paul's, that's how you, even with manna meals, continue to feed my sheep. The collection of baby formula that we're doing is allowing us to feed God's little lambs. I had no idea until I went to look for baby formula. It's expensive. No wonder people on fixed incomes need help. So I encourage you, if you haven't, to, to bring some next week. And friends, there are so many other ways that we respond to Jesus' call to feed my sheep. Today, we got to celebrate Nicholas's baptism. You see, Patty and Dee have made the commitment to nourish Nicholas by raising him in a home that makes God visible in so many ways. And you, St. Paul's, you made the commitment to surround him with a community of love and forgiveness so that he may grow in his service to other. Friends, that is one way that we feed God's sheep, that we make it tangible. You see, when you love and you support one another, when you encourage one another, when you make a meal to take a meal to someone in need, or you pick up that phone and call someone that's on your heart, that's responding to Jesus' call to feed my sheep. When you offer a helping hand or show kindness to a stranger, that's feeding Jesus' sheep. When you help provide transportation for our Afghan neighbors or you volunteer in other areas, friends, you are responding to Jesus' call to feed my sheep and you're making your love for Jesus visible. When you volunteer to work with our children or in our nursery, you're responding to tend to 
my lambs. When you stand up for injustice and you work to take down those barriers of exclusion, friends, that is following Jesus' call to take care of my sheep. When you hold people and situations in prayer and it feeds Jesus' sheep in the most profound and powerful ways, and when that prayer leads you to action, that makes your, your prayer a visible, visible sign of God's love. And lest we not forget our animals. Many of you have taken in rescue dogs, rescue cats. You feed the birds, you take in birds, you care for plants. Friends, that's how we care for all of God's creation. And Prentice and Karen, I'm going to put you on the hook. Prentice and Karen have offered to help us learn how to make a, a community garden here in our area. And so be watching for that so that that food doesn't go to me. It goes, which I would like because I love homegrown tomatoes. But that's a community garden that we can use to share with others. A few nights ago, I heard Stephanie Rule, who is a journalist for MSNBC, she did a piece called The Best of Humanity, in which she talked about why she had been away from the news desk for several days. She had gone with her son over a spring break to Poland to work with, Pol to work with the Polish Humanitarian Action Group and World Central Kitchen to aid refugees from Ukraine. She said she was working with volunteers from all around the world, every age, race, demographic, all coming together with one singularly focused mission, to help those in need the most. She talked about the devastation that she witnessed and the heartache that the Ukrainian refugees were carrying with them. And her story featured many of the humanitarian efforts that were being done by these organizations, and she highlighted many of the volunteers. And she said, each and every one of them was putting the commandment, love your neighbor, into practice. And then she ended her segment with these words. She says, my point is this. In the face of so much darkness, I want you to know that on the ground there is also much light. And while I come home saddened, I am also incredibly inspired. There are so many good people doing great things. We're going to talk a lot more about this war in the extremely difficult days ahead. But tonight, I leave you with this message, that there is light. And it is being led by service organizations, governments, volunteers like you and me. Putin's inhumane war is also bringing out the best in humanity. Friends, what she was describing was God's love being made visible. And that's what this morning scripture calls us to do, to be the light in the darkness, to feed and to care for Jesus' sheep. No, we don't have to leave our home and travel to Poland or anywhere else. Friends, all we have to do is show up. Show up and feed the sheep in our midst. We simply have to show up and make God's love visible to others. Many of you have heard me say before that the vision of St. Paul should be that when people look at St. Paul's, they see Jesus. And friends, when people look at you, May your love for Jesus be made visible. 
May it be made visible to the way that you care for them and you care for Jesus' sheep. May it be so. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Mother to us all. Amen. If I could put a voice in your head every morning this week, it would be a voice that every morning when you wake up, you hear Jesus ask, do you love me? Do you love me? And when you respond, yes, I do, Jesus is going to say to you, feed my sheep. Make my love visible. Friends, we have been fed today. We have been fed with Holy Communion. We've been fed by being part of a baptism. We have been fed with <clears throat> music and song. Let us take that fullness out into the world and show God's love to all we meet. Go in peace and go in love. Amen. <laughs>